Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. You're listening to SpursCast, episode 575. My name is Paul Garcia, and I'm your host here at SpursCast. Today, I'll be joined by my colleagues Michael DeLeon and John Diaz. This episode will be a continuation of our prior episode answering your Twitter questions about the Spurs. Let's get this episode started. Uh, let's start off with John here. John, how are you doing today? I'm I'm good. As you can see, man, I'm, I think I'm like two weeks away from having like the Luis Scola headband on full time because my hair is absurd right now. Oh, I'm there. I'm actually wearing a hat, and uh, even for my for my day job, I normally wear hats like every single time because like my hair is just terrible right now. Mike, how are you doing? I, I'm in the same type of haircut, but uh, yeah, I, I'm doing pretty good. I would respond with like an emoji if you weren't on video or whatever, but then I, I'd probably get into some trouble for that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the one thing I guess I have control over is still like my, my my facial hair, so that's a good thing that I, I can I can do that. So uh, so yeah, so we'll go ahead and stop talking about grooming um, <laughs> options right now, and we'll get straight into this episode. So Spurscast listeners, thank you for joining us. Um, obviously, you know, y'all, uh, most of you are, are in shelter in place, so every, everybody is if you're in America, but outside also. Um, so let's go ahead and get started here. So. So normally when we've been doing these, these last few episodes, there hasn't been a lot of news about the Spurs. But finally, there is some news um, regarding the Spurs. Um, so one of their former players, Tim Duncan, was named a Hall of Famer um, back on um, April 3rd. Oh, where's the set? So yeah, a- April 3rd, he was named a Hall of Famer, Timmy. Uh, April 4th, should I say. He was elected to the, the Basketball names, Namesmith Hall of Fame, along with uh, several several um, uh, people as well. You know, Kobe Bryant, among, among one of the notable players, also getting into the Hall of Fame. This makes uh, Duncan the, the third spur to be elected into the Hall of Fame, alongside uh, David Robinson and George Gervin. Uh, you know, we don't need to go into the details of Timmy's career. We kind of all know it. 19 years of the Spurs, two MVPs, five titles for the, for the city of San Antonio. Um so I guess, like, here's a question that I thought of, because I think we all knew that Tim was eventually get elected to the Hall of Fame. Uh, let's start off with, with Mike on this first question. Um, and then, John, you can answer it after. What year did y'all kind of know Timmy's in the Hall of Fame? Like, Timmy's, Timmy's a Hall of Famer. It's, it's, it's like, what year during his career did do you, or, or time frame, you could say. You don't have to give a specific year if you don't know one or have one with you. Like, when did you know that this guy's, this guy's an automatic Hall of Famer? Mike. I think after 07 was probably like after they won that third championship, I was like, okay, you know, the, and he had already done a lot individually, which obviously, you know, makes some difference. And um, he had played internationally a little bit, although not much success there. But, you know, when you win three championships, um, 
in your career. I mean, that's, that's a high, I mean, there's a lot of great players that are not open without any championships. So I thought that was pretty much he was uh, a shoo-in, uh, you know, aside from what he had done on his own with stats and things like that. Okay, so you say 07. Uh, John, when did you th- when did you kind of just know that he's a, he's a Hall of Famer? I, I feel like the third ring and the third finals MVP in 2005 was kind of like, okay, even if he doesn't stay healthy the rest of his career, if something dra- drastic happens, that's three rings, three finals MVPs. He already had the MVP before that as well. I, it's one of those things where you just can't ignore that kind of a resume. You have to put him in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, for me it was it was also oh five that, that after winning the title against the Pistons, um, just because you know he he won the two MVPs right before then, uh, and then but then you know he had this he, he had that run against the Lakers where you know they would lose uh, a lot of the times, and and so then for him to get back on the mountain and, and win it there in oh five, um, you know really showed it. So I really feel like that's kind of what we kind of knew, I, like for for me at least when, when I knew that he was a Hall of Famer. Um, so yeah, I think that we all kind of this was kind of expected for a long time that Timmy would be he was an automatic Hall of Famer, and he finally is going to get that honor um, whenever they do the the official um, ceremony. I don't know how that's actually going to happen with the situation we're in right now, but but he is a, officially a Hall of Famer. So that's one piece of news that came out uh, while, over the last few weeks since we have last recorded. Um, then on uh, this, this past weekend, on April 11th, there's some Spurs news uh, about one of their draft prospects, um, Nikola Milutinov, who they drafted back in 2015 with the 26th first-round pick. Uh, he's, he's playing currently with Olympiacos. Uh, he's he's going to sign a three-year deal with Seska Moscow, so he's going to be staying overseas. Um, this is according to Keith Smith of Yahoo! Um, of Yahoo News, and uh, there's no there's no word yet if there's an NBA out clause in any of these any of these three years. But the thing to to monitor is that Milutinov might end up being like the next Adam Hanga or, or a player that doesn't end up coming to the Spurs because he's already 25. So by the time this deal expires, he's going to be 28. Um, so some some prior stats on him. Um, he's in this in the Euroleague this year in 24 minutes per game, he's averaging 10.3 points, 8.2 rebounds, um, 0.2 blocks. Um, he has a. I'd say that his game is very much. If you're trying to look at a player on the Spurs roster, he's more modeled after. I think that Jakob Pertl is more of that that type of example. In the in the every offseason, I watch film on on Militinov in case the Spurs do bring him over. They never do. But uh, just kind of that's kind of player he's a good. I um, mean, you know, start sets hard screens, rolls, um, kind of cleans up cleans up the boards. You know, plays plays solid defense, that kind of thing. Um, so. So that's that's kind of a you know it's it's not surprising the Spurs really haven't brought over a lot of their European players um, over the last few years outside of like Davis Bertans in most recent memory. Um, Mike, uh, does this put more pressure on them now since he's staying overseas now in, in Russia? Does this put put more pressure on the Spurs to try to re-sign Jakob Pertl? I, I think it does. I mean, and I think aside from everything else, I mean, just the fact that Jakob's already got you know two years in the system and and he's seems to be improving every year. I think they kind of, that definitely puts pressure on them to do that. And I, I really don't see those, you know, coming, coming over at all. Like, it's like you said, he's 25 and now he'll be 28 then. And he's not, he's never put up like, like crazy numbers. Like Tiago Splitter, when he was overseas, he was putting up some crazy numbers and things like that. And I was like, okay, you got to bring him over. I don't think they've seen enough from him yet to like warrant bringing him over. So yeah, it's definitely, I think right now the plan's definitely got to, uh, Jacob. Um, John, what are your what are your thoughts on uh, Milutinov staying overseas again uh, for you know another three years? I'm I'm not surprised. He's probably comfortable at this point. And I know in hindsight, probably a lot of people are going to state the fact that well, this is a wasted draft pick for 2015 because you can say where the Spurs are now. Maybe if they would have selected someone that would have made an impact, it's okay. But at that time, wasting a roster spot and salary cap space on someone that was going to ride the bench wasn't worth it. 
And funny enough, if we're talking about the 2015 draft, the Spurs already got someone that's probably going to be cheaper and fits the NBA better now in Trey Lyles, who was a lottery pick in 2015. So in all, it still kind of worked out thanks to, you know, Utah and Denver being unable to actually develop him. And I I think the funny thing was I watched like a two minute highlight video of his of his highlights from this season. And it was nothing but Shaq dunks. And I'm like, well, that's great and all, but you you can't really do that in the NBA. Like, you're taller and bigger than everyone. I wouldn't expect you to do anything else. And then they throw in, like, one block and a rebound, and here's a little 15-foot jumper. And I'm like, okay, that's cool and all, but you, anyone can come in the NBA and do that. We can just go re-sign Boban Marjanovic if we want to. And he's taller and probably even better at getting those rebounds. Aaron Baines developed the three-point shot. Like, I'm not impressed by this two-minute highlight video, as cool it may, as it may look. Yeah. And, you know, one thing that when I when I, um, you know, wrote the report on Project Spurs based on this information, you know, I got some pushback as well from from just a few fans. Not everybody. I think the majority knows exactly what you just said, John and Mike. Um, however, some players, so some people, should I say, um, followers are, are like telling me like, you know, he, he's good. Why, does, why don't they bring him over? Yada, yada. And I have this argument, like, if he was really, really that, that good, don't you think that other NBA teams would have tried to trade for his rights, similar to what they did with Luis Scola years back, the Rockets, right? Don't y'all agree that, like, if he was really that much in demand by the NBA community or teams, that they, one of these teams would have thrown the Spurs, you know, some sort of offer to try to get his rights? Anybody Absolutely. want to take that response? Absolutely. I mean, it's an asset-driven league, and if you can go pick up an asset that's not that a team isn't going to look forward to bringing over anytime soon, someone else is going to jump on that super quick, just like Houston did with Luis Scola. It, it's just not going to happen for him. And if he wants to, if the NBA somehow reverts back to '90s basketball, then I'm sure he'll be a hot commodity then. But it doesn't matter right now. Yeah. I mean, it is not the, the same league where years ago the Spurs were like one of the only teams that were starting internationally. Every team has scouts internationally, and they know what's going on. They know, uh, you know, how these guys are doing. So obviously, they would have, you know, at least offered maybe a, a, a draft pick or something just to. Get him if he was like you said a hot molly and, and so obviously there's no movement there so I don't think um, you know I, I think it's it's nice to look at players and and see what they do overseas but like even what he's done overseas hasn't been uh, you know nothing it, it's it's nothing that really like it pops off the page. And so one thing that John just said, where he said, like, you know, going back to 90s basketball, one thing I just remembered, because uh, Michael Earler, who used to write for, uh, for Pounding the Rock, uh, had told me on Twitter just the other day that he reminded me, because we were both there on, on the night that Militino's draft night, um, I mean, his, his draft rights got sent to the Spurs. Uh, one thing he, I remember R.C. Buford said that that, uh, that Earler pointed out to me was that he compared him to Roshan Asterovich. And so that's kind of where <laughs> you're at. Like, yes, like, R.C. Buford said that he's like a Roshan Asterovich style type player or something like that along those lines, which basically speaks to like what John just said, you know, we're not in that NBA anymore where where that kind of a player, you know, really works on, on a lot of teams. Um, it's just the game's just t- totally changed. And I, and I actually think he's a little bit more, way more athletic and, and just does a little bit more, a little bit more different things than, than Rosho. All right, guys, let's go ahead and get into our Spurs uh, Twitter questions. So these are, these are, so again, if you missed the ones that we, I answered, um, I had the group last week or, or two weeks ago when we last recorded, um, answer about five or six of them. So those are the first five or six. So you can go back and, 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 and um, listen to those if you want to hear them. Some of them are repetitive, uh, the, the ones, so I've kind of just sent, kept them in there. So now uh, Mike and uh, Mike and John and I are going to answer uh, six questions here from continuing with that Spurs Twitter. And then the following week, uh, I still have, I still have more questions left over. So the first question, guys, and you guys have had had a chance to see these questions beforehand. So yes, so uh, you've had time to uh, think of your responses here. Number one says, uh, "What moves would you make as a GM to get this team back to title contention? What moves would you make as a GM to get this team back to title contention?" Um, uh, John, go ahead and take that first response. Man, I 
it, it's so hard to get in the title contention because even this season, it's Lakers, it's Bucks, and then maybe the Clippers. And I, I think it's more feasible to say playoff contention where the Spurs aren't that far off. And if, if you want to go into title contention, you have to answer the question, can LaMarcus Aldridge and DeMar DeRozan as a core currently constructed take you to the playoffs and to a title? And the answer is no. And LaMarcus is already on the tail in his career. DeMar's not going anywhere in terms of his development. So I think if you want to go into at least an elite playoff contender or a good playoff contender, I would look into moving one of the guards, one of the younger assets, probably DeJounte Murray. I know fans will hate to hear that, but DeJounte Murray, just because of the salary cap number that's coming up, would be easier to move, and he still hasn't really developed a shot to where we can say he's an outside threat, No, even though his defense is going to be is perfect and it's what they need. Uh, you can hand the starting point guard reins to Derek White, who's going to be 26. He's not technically that young anymore, and he's still more affordable. He already has the skill set, and he, you saw he led you to the playoffs last year with the limited roster. So I would probably look into moving DJ and this year's first-round pick, assuming the Spurs don't make the playoffs in our lottery team with, with however the season plays out. But it's just who's who's available? Who are other teams going to sell? And that is the really hard part to gauge because there's so many different unknowns going on right now where a lot of these teams aren't going to look to take on salary cap space, aren't going to look to trade away assets that they can probably get a bigger haul in the future or somewhat controllable. And if there isn't a cap issue, then you would probably look into trading Lonnie Walker. But also that's another thing where teams are like, is this guy really going to develop into a decent role player, into a starting shooting guard? The Spurs have done such a good job of developing these guys in Austin and on the bench and outside of the system that it also limits how much they can get for them. Because we saw even at the trade deadline, they're trying to trade the world for Rudy Gay and for DeMar DeRozan. That price is still so high. I can only imagine what they think of the younger assets and how that you could move forward to actually get this team into any kind of a playoff contention. Okay. Uh, Mike. Um, and some of, when I respond, John, some of mine are, are, are tied with your, your responses. Uh, Mike, go ahead and take that question. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree with John. It's like, and it's like, it's like even, even if you trade some of the other young guys, what are you going to get in return for a guy that's making 3 million a year or 2.6 million a year? That the Spurs can't swallow a lot more salary. They they can really only do like even swaps. So I, I really think the whole what can they do to get back into title contention is a long term process. It's like okay, continue building the draft. They have some nice pieces to work on. They've got to figure out what the next step is with uh, the two big name players right now and Demar and Marcus because obviously, like John, I don't see them reaching title contention with those two players. I think it's going to take, you know, kind of like the next phase and see what kind of talent they can get in return. Uh, if that's either by moving that, we still don't know what's going to happen with uh, with tomorrow if he's going to take that qualifying offer. Uh, so really, there's just a lot. There are so many unknowns. I mean, it's not like you can just say, do a four-player slot for like Giannis or something. I mean, you got to have somebody that's actually worth something that, that, that the team will want. I mean, so... You're not going to have like an overnight or next year, like where you're turning this into a title contender. Yeah, so um, so I, I'll first take my my um, I I have two routes and 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 obviously they're very similar to both of y'all. So option A is what Mike just said, the long term route where you really just have to hope that like two or three of these young guys turn into all-stars down the road. That's Dejounte Murray, Derek White, Lonnie Walker, Keldon Johnson, uh, Lucas Simonich, or whoever they draft this year in the first round. So you have to hope that 
down the line, down the road in two or three years, some of these guys, not not just one of these guys, multiple of these players turn into all-stars. And, and I'm going to show you some data in a little bit. That doesn't look very likely. Uh, and then the second option is what John just said. You know, you hope that these guys pop either next year or, or two years, any of these young guys, then you can try to trade one or two of them for an all-star. Um, and, and, you know, uh, maybe a disgruntled star player coming off, off a deal. But again, you know, it's it's really tough to be a title contender. You got to have like, you got to at least have one like top 10 player. And and I don't, you know, it's, it's just really hard to get those players um, on a team and outside of where they're at, like John mentioned, the Lakers, the Clippers have those players, the Bucks, etc. Um, so here's some data I found interesting. I was looking up, I was doing some um, some research with uh, bballindex.com's career projection tool. And so you got to re, you got to be just before I, I I release this data, you do got to know that you know this is based on this season pretty much and, and prior seasons. And so like for the younger guys like Keldon or Luca who didn't play a lot in, in the NBA, their data is not going to be you know don't take their 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 data so seriously. So let's first look at Dejounte. They have a percentage of what are his chances of being an All Star. He has a 1.6 to 11.5 percent chance of being an All Star uh, in his career. He has a 0.4 to 2.8 percent chance of being All NBA player. Zero uh, percent chance at MVP. Um, his best season and this projection model is expected to be the 22-23 season, so in two years from now. Derek White, uh, he has a 0.8 to 6.9% chance of being an all-star, uh, 0.2 to 1.4% chance of being all-NBA, uh, no, no chance of MVP. His best season is expected to come actually next season, according to this model. Lonnie Walker um, doesn't really have a chance of being an all-star at all-NBA. Same thing for Luka and Keldon. Now, Lonnie's best year is not supposed to come until 20, the year 24-25. Keldon and Lucas aren't supposed to come till 25, 26. So one thing I'm noticing here, and obviously these are just, like I mentioned, they're just models, uh, is that a lot of these young guys, their, their, their time when they're going to be hitting their peak is not going to be in line with each other. A lot of the, a lot of the times is what we're seeing here. Um, uh, and so I guess my answer would just be, you know, it's going to be a long-term route and most likely, you know, and this is very much not used to, for if you're a San Antonio fan who, who you know, you grew up in, and Tim Duncan was there or Dave Robinson, et cetera, uh, you're used to just having like a, like a top 10 player on the roster. So that way they can just add pieces to that, uh, that team. But this is not the case now because they have no players right now that we know of that are top 10 or even like all-star level players outside of, you know, uh, uh, the current vets. But, you know, like, like we mentioned, they didn't even make the all-star team this year in DeRozan and Aldridge. Um, so I would just say, you know, um, invest in your young players, see what, see, see what you can do uh, in the next two years and see uh, which of them pop, which, which of them don't pop. Or you can hope for this year. Maybe you hope that they, that they land a top four pick uh, where they have a 9.4% chance of doing that or, or the, the number one overall pick where they have a 2% chance of doing that. But again, you know, what we've heard all along is a, a very weak draft. Um, did any of y'all want to respond to some of those numbers that I mentioned about the, um, the chances of being an all-star for some of these young players? It's kind I mean, of hard to, to, to say much more than that just because a lot of them have, I mean, you see a lot of potential, but how much potential and upside ends up developing into more than that. So, I mean, you know, some of these guys look really good, like when they go and play in Austin, but, I mean, that doesn't always translate. I think Derek Hart's one guy that seems like it translated well, but it, I mean, it really is hard to shouldn't. I know everybody wants to get really excited, but, I mean, you have to actually be realistic and and even once, if they step up and they get, uh, you know, uh, maybe a starting spot, obviously the level of competition is going to be higher as well. So that's a, that's a tough. Uh, it's tough to to go against any of those productions, I think. Yeah, I I would say that maybe if you land a, a really high impact player with a lottery pick this year, it would if he can make the other guys better, and if it accelerates the process, then okay, we can go back and look at those numbers, but. I don't think it's also too far off because it's not like they can project much off of the limited time that these guys have gotten anyway. You've got yeah. these guys being blocked by other veterans and stuff. So it's just a wait and see game. And obviously Derek would be projected 
for his best season to be next year with his age because he's going to be starting to be in his mm-hmm. physical and athletic prime. So, yeah, it's just it, you got to hope, like, with free agency, maybe they can hit a couple gems here and there. You never know. Trey Lyles could develop into something more than what we've seen. Yeah, no, for sure. And so that's why, like, you know, that's why I said, like, I think just the best plan, and I know they don't want to, the front office probably won't want to do this, is, is to just, like, invest in the young guys, let them get their minutes, see what they can do in those starting roles. And, and it's going to be tough, though, if they have some vets there that are going to stop them. Because, like you mentioned, you know, that's why the data is not as good to project, because, again, a lot of these guys didn't get a lot of minutes, um, especially guys like Kelton and Luca. Uh, and then, like, you can see that there's there's a hint there, or, or we don't know if it was just like their, their best game ever. Like, look, just think about that, that Houston game. For, for me, Lonnie's best game is always going to be that Houston game where he went off. Yeah. And, that was interesting. Sorry, guys. Siri just went off for some reason. She thought I was saying her name. Uh, anyway, <laughs> um, anyway. Uh, yeah. So like Lonnie, I think of that one. I think of Derek White two years ago, the Denver game, that playoff game. Like you know, it's there inside of those players. But again, if you can't put that together nightly or even like five or ten times a year, you know, how how, how what are the chances that you're going to be an All Star one day? So so that's why again, like the data just doesn't show up as of this point right now. All right, let's move on to our second question. Um, the second question was. Uh, is this Brent Forbes' last chance in the NBA? Uh, Mike, I'll let you start with this one. No, not even close. He's going to get picked up by somebody. He's on an incredibly team-friendly deal. He'll probably get paid, you know, a little bit more money. Uh, and I, I think he'll still find, you know, a role somewhere in the NBA. Somebody that needs a three-point shooter. So, yeah, I, I don't see him testing it for him at all. John? No, shooting's always going to be at a premium in the NBA. As much as I like to, you know talk bad about Bryn Forbes because of the role that he's in and what he's done like I still think he's a great shooter and I think he services a team really well that can hide his deficiencies on height and defense Gary Neal lasted four more years in the NBA after he left San Antonio like it's not just a system thing these shooters always find a way to latch on somewhere and Bryn will do the same I agree with you guys and and I have two routes for him Um, I think A is either you know he the Spurs could try to resign him um, he has a $5.4 million cap hold. So that could be the situation where like, he resigns San Antonio for, you know, one or, or, or multiple years. And then, you know, after his tenure's done, then maybe he goes to another NBA team. So he will get more shots down the road. Or like you guys mentioned, the Spurs let him walk and he's, he's going to get an offer from another team. Um, and then, you know, like there's always going to be players like on the, on the 10 day contracts where teams need, need players, especially with shooting. Like you guys mentioned, you know, there's, there's been multiple players who, who like, like if they're on the right team and, and their role is correct, I think in San Antonio, he gets, you know, his, his defensive <coughs> issues get exposed so much because he, they have him starting and, and, you know, playing a lot of minutes. Whereas on a team, whether it's a, a rebuilding team or even like a um, playoff team, uh, he, he would be a player coming off the bench and that would be his main role. Um, and then again, like, you know, we just mentioned like his, his, his shooting numbers are really good. Uh, I was looking at uh, one of those also that was career projection tools from, um, from uh, B-Ball Index, and uh, they have him projected to make between two and five million uh, per season in these like next uh, in these next seven years. So again, he's going to be even if it's at the minimum, he's going to be getting paid. He's going to have he's, he should have a job um, in the NBA, and also his peak doesn't isn't expected to come for two more seasons. So so that's one thing also to keep him keep in mind. Oh, All right, let's go to our third question. Um, it's they say uh, if De- if Demar Derozan is traded or leaves in free agency, does loss does Lamarcus Aldridge stay or get traded? If traded, to where and what do the Spurs get? Um, Mike, you want to take this one first? Yeah, I mean, really, I mean, I think a lot of people would say that if if Derozan's gone, then obviously, then you really have to kind of take a hard look at just going with the young guys and then trade what you can. But at the same time, the Spurs. The front office is never going to just give a guy away either. So I think they will hold on to him unless they can get some decent value back for him. So, I mean, I think they'll, they'll see those guys as, uh, you know, 
not not uh, they don't have to like go together. Um, and I, I think honestly for the team, I mean that ends up making up like what are they like probably about fifty million in contracts per year. Uh, that's a lot of cap space, you know, unless they take on the same in return. So um, I think that it'll just be a completely different process. I mean, they might be open to trading a little bit more because then obviously with just some markets, it becomes a lot harder to, you know, make the playoffs or even stay in the top like 10 in the West. Uh, John, what's your response on that? I, I think it really depends on the return for DeMar because if you get a decent haul and you can still be competitive, I don't see why you wouldn't keep LaMarcus. He seems happy here. He's from Texas. He loves his family being here. He, there's a reason he came to San Antonio. People always forget that. And with his recent comments, it seems like Portland and San Antonio are really the only options. And Portland's in salary cap hell. Everyone knows that. So it's going to be kind of hard to facilitate a trade that way. I, I feel like the only other option would be maybe for him to go to Los Angeles because he does have a home in L.A., He's a Rams fan, which is really weird. Uh, so, yeah, it's just one of those things. And, and especially if, like, the Lakers miss out on Anthony Davis. You know, the, LaMarcus is someone that they could probably have for cheap, even though the Spurs are no way in hell going to deal with the Lakers. Like That's still a, a, a way that you could trade for another power forward to help extend LeBron's career and try to get a title. But I, I don't see LaMarcus going anywhere unless the Spurs just completely just pitch their tent and say, we're done, and let's just get accelerate the youth movement. Okay, so so my answer has like a little bit of mixture mixture of both y'all's answers. So I have option A is the rebuild route, where like you guys said, you know, if Demar leaves and they, they just want to go to total rebuild. Uh, then I think that so it's really so so the first part of this response is like it depends how the season ends, should I say? So like if we actually do have a playoffs um, and they finish out the season, then I think the teams that lose and don't win the title, I think that they may be a, maybe I, I, for some reason Houston comes to my mind just because they're they're just constantly changing and wanting to get um, players with, with, um, on their team just to mix things up. So like if they're like let's just say the Rockets small ball uh, doesn't work and you know, they take it into the playoffs and they lose, well then um, maybe they could they could be a team that looks like that. Or I just think one of those teams that has like one or two all stars and then they just need they they want a third guy who's not, who's in Lamar who's not an all-star but he's still a really good player and fits almost every every team now these days now that he's added the three-point shot so i think that there's that that team or there's the teams that are right on the bubble making the playoffs so like john you mentioned portland like like you said i really had a tough time making a package for him with portland because i think they only the only way it works to be include nurkic and then i don't know how, how whoever you're going to put in there i looked at the kings just because they're so desperate to get into the playoffs maybe uh working a, a package around Corey joseph or nemanja belitza or, or jabari parker um and then i also had charlotte if, they, if they're trying to get the playoffs um maybe uh package either build around um tyler zeller or, or cody zeller i forgot which which zeller it is uh cody. the one that who's on charlotte <laughs> is it cody yeah and then um and then also or or a package around nicholas batum again you're probably going to get what are you going to get back for the markers i'm thinking like you know like i said like, a, like a, a player who just to make the salary work so like a salary filler player like we mentioned there um you know he's more of like a role player a vet or and then maybe maybe you can try to get a young player or or a pick uh you know maybe like a a mid to 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 late first round pick at 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 best i don't think you'll get a lottery for him so um that's kind of what i see i do think that he does have like whereas derozan maybe doesn't have as much trade value i think lamarcus has a lot more because he's he you can fit him in your team a lot better where he can shoot the three you can do your spacing type of offense if he needs a low post scoring threat he's able to still go down there in the post and get some buckets for you and then on defense you know if if you have a really good if you have good defensive players around lamarcus he's gonna be a good a good um, option there uh, near the rim but like like uh, when you guys mentioned uh they could just stay competitive let's say they do get a good haul for DeRozan like John mentioned there uh I think that you know if they get a good role player well then yeah they, they might just keep him and then just add either with with the mid-level exception um and yeah th- those are kind of my thoughts on um on LaMarcus 
All right, let's go to number four. It says, uh, they say, I'm going to combine these two questions, actually, uh, just because they're very similar. Uh, number four says, what does this virus mean for player contracts? Seems like there will be much debate on this. Uh, and then also, what does the future look like for us past this? Something like the NBA and the Spurs in the future. Um, so so just uh, some background. You know, I've, we haven't got any kind of salary numbers on what the cap's going to look like. Um, it, so from, from the, the guy that I trust mainly on, on a lot of cap stuff is Bobby Marks. And so I, the last comments I remember, remember him saying was they're probably just going to use the salary from this year. So instead of 115, like it was expected to be, it may just be at <laughs> 109.1 million. Um, and again, it really just matters on how the, how the cap falls. And, um, you know, it's going to have an effect, whatever money they don't earn this year, it's going to, it's going to affect free agent contracts and also extensions. Um, so Mike, go ahead and take that question first, your responses. Yeah. I mean, that was the same thing. If, if it, if it doesn't like stay where it's at, then it might get, I mean, there's a lot of money that they've, uh, lost. Aside from that, I think there might be something, I think this might be something that'll come down between the NBA and the, the players association, but the thing is, when they do come back, I mean, there's still a chance of this stuff coming back, and I kind of wonder if the owners are going to want some sort of clause in contract that says if this comes back, or if you get paid like prorated on on how many games you play, or you know, you know something. That, like I know they're talking about players getting paid up front, we're going to pay back some of their uh, their contracts. So I would think that they would want some sort of protection in place in case that happens. I mean, it's not something where it's a player's fault all of a but you know, I think they might want to protect uh, themselves as well. As far as beyond this, I mean, you know, it's it's kind of hard to, to tell. You know, even if there's going to be, even if anything's going to happen uh, to finish this season off right now. I mean, you know, as, as far as like with the the country, the government, they seem to be like rushing this, and it's so. And I, but I think it's going to be a while before like Adam Silver wants to like get this out there, and, and so you know, it, it could be. It could be a, a long process, and so then as, as far as the team, I just think it's going to be again one of those things where it's it's, it's going to be a, a slow process, uh, kind of back to even getting maybe back into play, playoff contention or anything like that. John, I you know it just really depends on a lot of different things. And like the I think one of the ESPN articles cited how LeBron gets a balloon payment, half of his salary to start the season. And that's one of those things where, okay, LeBron doesn't only has to worry about like $18 million for the rest of the season. A lot of other players don't have that luxury. And you see you see it hitting the owners as well. Like the way Tillman Fertina makes all his money in the hospitality industry, and now he's basically broke the way they're making it sound. Mickey Arison's got uh, his cruise line with Carnival. And it just depends on how these owners make their money. I feel like the biggest, my biggest concern moving forward would be how this gets negotiated in another CBA. Because obviously this is not the the last time this is ever going to happen. And if that leads to a lockout because the players are unhappy about how they're going to get paid and the owners are unhappy with an unfinished season and all the money lost at a gate and with the games missed, even if we come back and go to games with no fans or a limited amount of fans, you're not making a lot of that money back. And, and I know the leagues desperately want to go into the playoffs and do stuff like that just to try to not lose a billion dollars this season. But you know, the salary cap was already, I think, projected down to 115 from 117 after the whole Daryl Morey China tweet thing. And it's just, I, I feel like if they keep the salary cap the same, it's going to make teams really apprehensive on how they're going to pay off other deals, especially we've got a big free agent class coming up next year in 2021. It's already kind of hard enough for these guys don't want to give out these big deals. And you may see a lot more movement through sign and trade if they want to make their teams better and try to 
get that co- that that competitive edge back for their team to make more money and bring in more fans. But there's just so many different things at stake that we don't know about that it's just we'll be lucky to even finish out this season. Yeah, uh, you guys kind of just hit um, you know got a lot of the points that I was going to make as well. And, and and I think John, the most important one right there was that what you just said about the the fact that like you know not not only would this free agent class be affected by this, I think next year's and here's the reason why because we really just know that nothing gets back to normal in our lives until we have a vaccine. Like nothing, you know, sports are going to you know at best like Mike mentioned, uh, they can maybe play in a closed type system like a like a bubble system where they close everybody off, all the fans should I say, and they have all the teams in one place and they, and they finish out this season. But then think about it next year. Like I don't think we're going to be getting full packed arenas yet you know come come october if there's no vaccine it really just depends on the vaccine so if that takes till 2021 or 2022 you know that's going to again continue to uh, impact um how much money the league's making with with games because maybe the only way they're getting any kind of um uh, money is through is through tv money if they're still at least playing games with with no fans or even even at like a, at, at um, minimal capacity type arenas where they're separating seats for the fans they're not making their full amount of money um so i really feel like it's going to be like a two-year um um loss for the nba in terms of money and, and how the salary cap is impacted because I, I just don't think even when October comes that everything's gonna be back to normal um, for, for the NBA and them getting um, people back into buildings and, and, and fans and kind of what you guys just both said so I think that this is gonna be a really long process and it really is gonna affect a lot of their a lot of these next two off seasons and, and how um you know these players are looking at, at making a lot of money and, and getting these, these big deals from teams um, cool let's go to let's go to the last question here number six um, uh, just curious about cap space and if DeRozan skipped, uh, what, if any, cap relief does it provide? I think it does not. So I'll, I'll go ahead and um, start start off this question uh, just because I, I was able to, to break down some of these numbers here. Okay, so I put three scenarios together. Let's say that scenario one, DeRozan leaves, Bellinelli leaves, Chemezi Metu leaves, um, or it's waived, Drew Eubanks leaves, and Qu- uh, Quindary Weatherspoon leaves. If all those players leave, those five players their Spurs will still be over the cap, and this is assuming they're trying to bring back Yaka Pirtle. They're trying to keep uh, Trey Lyles, and they're also ch- uh, maybe uh, they're keeping Bryn Forbes' cap hold on the books just because, we don't again, we don't know what they're going to do uh, with Bryn Forbes. So in this scenario, they are over the cap with DeRozan leaving and all these other players, and they have access to the non-tax MLE, which is supposed to be $9.8 million in a normal offseason, but now it may be back, trimmed back down to $9.3 million. Uh, depending on, on uh, if they have to reduce the salary cap. So so basically, um, $9.3 million is all they'd have to, to sign a player while losing to Rosen. Let's go to scenario two. What's the most money they can get if uh, have available if um, if not, if DeRozan leaves? So now let, here's the next scenario: DeRozan leaves, Bellinelli leaves, Metsu leaves, Trey Lyles gets cut, uh, Drew Eubanks leaves, Quindary Weatherspoon leaves, Bryn Forbes leaves, and Jakob Pertl leaves. So this time you're losing Jakob. Now here the max amount of money they're going to have is in a normal year is twenty four point nine million. If the salary cap gets reduced to to 109 million, it's only about 20 million in cap space. Actually, 19.2 to be specific. So about 20 million is what they would have at max. And, and like you guys mentioned, this is not a strong free agent class. Scenario three is uh, DeRozan gone, Bellinelli's gone, Met- Metu's gone, Eubanks gone, Weston's <coughs> gone, Forbes is gone, Pirtle's gone, but they keep Trey Lyles. Because uh, John, I agree with you. I think that they're for sure keeping Trey Lyles. So in this scenario, they're down to just probably 14.6 million with the reduced salary cap. So basically, those are your. I think those are the numbers. Um, you got Mike. Did you have any uh, comments on as far as like those three scenarios, like either MLE, uh, 20 million, or 14 million? Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of did like quick math on it as well, and I kind of came up with the same thing. And honestly, it seems like the most likely scenario is that they're going to have the MLE, which means they can add. A decent player, but then they have to kind of be smart, smart about it because um, you know they've given some a lot of money to, with the MLE to some players that just haven't uh, you know done much of them. Demarcado didn't work out, as you know. Marco 
you know, especially this last year, um, that didn't really work out too well. So um, that's your, your best scenario. The, 20, the 23, I, I really don't see, I think you said it was 123, I, I really don't see that kind of happening. I really think they're going to end up trying to keep a few of these players. And um, for sure, like Trey, for sure, Jakob and Bryn still a heavy option as well. John? Yeah, I think the most likely scenario, even if you lose DeMar, you lose Marco and you lose uh, Bryn Forbes as well. And even then, who do you sign with that? It's not enough to go get any of the big free agents. You can't go get Anthony Davis or Mike Connolly, Eric Gordon, Gordon Hayward, Andre Drummond. Like None of those guys are going to fit in that space. You might as well just try to facilitate a trade for DeMar if it's going to be a sign-and-trade scenario and try to bring something back with that, or if that frees up more space. But with the way the cap is going and the way the Spurs are, now having to owe Damari Carroll six-something million next season that you've got to pay off, you got to pay Pirtle. Pro- I think you have to pay Trey Lyles, too, if I'm not mistaken, because he's non-guaranteed for next year. I mean, I, yeah, he's non-guaranteed for $5.5 million next year. I'd, I'd have to look into that a little bit more, but it's just one of those things where losing DeMar, it's kind of like, it reminds me of Richard Jefferson. I, I got into a heated argument a few days ago. I didn't think I'd have to deal with this in, in 2020. People still complaining about Richard Jefferson getting four years and $40 million from the Spurs, and it's like, so who did you want them to sign in his place? Because if he leaves, they had no cap space, and the MLE is not going to bring you anything. They, they had to sign him just to keep the roster, the roster continuity in there and hope that Kawhi developed into something. So you're going to have to do the same here. There's no point in just letting DeMar walk. It's not going to bring you anything, and you're going to lose an asset, and that just kind of closes the door on that Kawhi trade even more. It makes it look worse. That's just like yeah, when and, everybody was complaining but, about Rudy Gay getting $14 million, and I'm just like, yeah. they're like, if, if they decided to, it's not like they could go spend that 14 on anybody else. That wasn't an option, you know, but they could on Rudy because he was their own player. So, yeah, it's it's, it's just an alone. And it's funny because like the year that Kyle Gasol's contract comes off the books, is good. it then got uh, Tamari Carroll to pay, which is even as a heavier amount of money. So yeah, is uh, yeah, I, I always love the the arguments in the off season when they 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 say, "Why'd you spend that money on that player?" It's like, no, that was a cap hold. You can't. It's not the same thing as free cap space. <laughs> Totally different. Yeah, it's just, uh, I'm, I'm glad, at least we're not there yet. We're going to get there, guys, eventually, whenever the offseason officially does start. So just be ready for that. Um, but yeah, I mean, you guys kind of just just kind of mentioned there, you know, I, I think that, like, like we mentioned, that's a lot of the scenarios. I think another person got to watch out for is Derek White because he is extension eligible, eligible, uh, eligible until October 31st. And obviously that date can move too, depending on when the next season does start. But again, they got to think about that too in their long term. They may have Derek White on, on a new deal for, for three to four years, um, um, you know, as, as, as the current, um, Cap goes, and if they they are gonna if they are able to um uh, uh, uh move to Rosen, it also depends too what they're getting back for him. You know, it does he opt in and then they trade him? You know, or does what kind of sign and trade? What kind of players are they getting back for at that at that salary? So a lot of the numbers are very open ended right now, um, and that kind of just answers that question in terms of what, where we're at right now as, as best as we could answer it uh, with all these unknowns um, going forward. Um, okay, so guys, so I guess we're just opened up to any kind of just open dialogue here. Did y'all have anything y'all want to discuss? Um, just, it doesn't have to do with the Spurs or anything. You know, one thing I was going to say also, I think that, and this will probably make a little more sense to people, is that if you're looking at, at the contract and players they have and you're wondering how trading away uh, DeMar doesn't, like, open up that exact amount of, of capital, you have to also look at uh, DeJounte Murray's extension starts next year. So that goes from, like, 2.5 to, like, 14. So that's a big, that adding to eats up a bunch of uh, the cap that, that, you know, would be a free if if you know they traded him or you know regardless of still operating over the, over the cap 
the way they are right now, the way they look right now. Mm-hmm. John, did you have anything you wanted to add? No, I'm just I'm really intrigued more by this off season than anything. I think it it you know the absence of sports is kind of part of it, but there's just so many different variables to this. It, it's like it seems like the 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 drama for the Spurs off season just continuously grows <laughs> every year since the whole Kawhi thing, which just blows my mind. And I've been DMing with uh, Trevor Zickraff, one of our former Project Spurs yeah. writers, constantly about draft prospects and stuff. And we're getting hyped up over different guys and trying to see who we like here and there. And fake trades that would make a lot of people angry, but that's probably the most fun that we have during the offseason. So it's just one of those things where I'm just kind of ready to actually put more concrete stuff down and talk about that than all these different little possibilities here and there because there's just so many different things at stake and it, it's amazing that the coronavirus stuff has just amplified that even more and even caused more uncertainty so it's just it's strange times man it's i just can't put it any other way so real quick since we don't really have a you know since there's more open dialogue here so i know there was a big uh story on twitter spurs twitter should i say uh about so so i did see lamarcus do little eyeballs about a portland oh, tweet. i didn't even click on it because i thought it was pointless <laughs> but apparently that became a thing right right guys yes. like yeah I, yeah, I, that's why I didn't exactly. even put this in the. I didn't even research it. I, I'm not going to take the time to do that because that just him putting an emoji does not mean anything. And plus, if the, if he's going to get moved down the road, you got to actually hope that there's a package there with Portland because there's not a lot of teams that it, that it works for with him. Uh, did any of y'all want to talk about that? I, I would like to vent. Yes, <laughs> it's just funny because uh, it's just it's crazy. Like what I think I guess right now everybody's just so bored of things that they're just waiting for anything to like spark up. Uh, something. So I was like, that was like, that's what I was. Well, I was making reference to when you asked me. I was like, well, you know, I, I would respond to the emoji. It probably get me in a, a lot of trouble because it's just like he didn't really say anything. It's just like the whole emoji, and then everybody's just like, oh, okay, well, you feel that way, and it's like, well, you can leave now. I'm just like, he never said anything, and yeah, I tried I just... to like. <laughs> I, I tried to speak to like people were like making a story up where there wasn't a story, but then I got. I got some people start saying that I was talking down this first time, and I was like, "Oh, I'm not trying to do that. I'm just saying it's not, it's not that big of a deal that you're making it out to be." So I, I thought that was just uh, a little humorous, I guess, and just a little crazy. I think it's just part of all of this. Maybe people have a lot of, uh, you know, are just are just getting tired of being in one place set all the time. They're just really bored, so they're just looking for something to sell out of fire. Yeah, I, I can't even get into offseason stuff just because of, you know, it's so much uncertain. Like we just said, you know, I don't even know how the contracts are working. When I was even trying to make some of these trades, like I don't even know what the numbers are. So I can't really make a lot of different trades. It's just, it's, it's weird. I, ahead, I think John, my, biggest, my biggest issue is just people reading into a tweet and then an interview on top of that. And saying things like, I don't want to name names, but uh, there's a certain San Antonio radio host today that was that read Michael C. Wright's interview with LaMarcus. And I, you know, I've been off just like you, Paul, like I've been off social media a lot lately. I, I don't care. I don't have time for it. It's just news and the news gets exhausting. You need to take a break every once in a while and play some Call of Duty, obviously. But there was uh, a certain San Antonio radio host who was like, LaMarcus is indifferent. I don't have time for that. And I'm just like, like, what do you have time for? What does it matter to you? Like, wh- how did you gather that from that interview that he's just happy being in San Antonio because they treat him fairly, that he's got his family here. He's technically home and he's happy with that. He's reached a point in his career where he's probably at peace of 
being in San Antonio and probably not winning a ring, but he's at the same time still going to give everything he has to that team and to the game. Like he's not, it's not like he's magically going to turn into a superstar power forward out of nowhere. And it, it sucks that you have to follow up Tim Duncan because people are like, well, Timmy, this Timmy, that yes. Timmy's a one in a million player, man. What, what do you not understand that not everyone is built the same way? Like LeBron is an MJ. Kobe was an MJ. Timmy and LaMarcus are two different people. The Joel Embiid is a whole totally different person. You got to quit comparing these guys' personalities and work ethics and parsing up their words to fit whatever narrative you have. All right? He's 35. Let him play power forward. Let him start for this team. He's a former all-star. And you're lucky he even came here because at the end of the day, we were begging for LaMarcus to get that second interview with the Spurs. And seeing him all happy when they caught him with the picture with Pop going to breakfast, thinking they may actually have a shot that the Lakers aren't going to go get him because Adam Levine from Maroon 5 has a LaMarcus Aldridge jersey already. <laughs> like, there's, It's just amazing how quickly that script has flipped. They had their chance in 2017. A certain small forward got hurt. It didn't happen. Okay, we can move forward from that. These guys are great people. And I'm just I'm just so sick of people attacking them because you're not making it any easier for them to play for your team that you root for daily. Exactly. I, I think that it, it's just I think that's the fact too that we just I like you just said, John. I think because like we've just kind of been off Twitter as much like more so. So like I remember on Saturday when I wrote up the Nicola Militino piece, like you know I wrote it up and I posted it and I tweeted it and then I left my phone and I never checked again. Like later on in the evening, I checked it. I had multiple like just mentions about it and like all different kind of takes of you know he's no good he doesn't deserve the nba blah 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 and and you know, or, or like you guys said a wasted pick and it's just that i think that a lot of it is like fans frustration in terms of just people want to talk about basketball and things and, yeah. and that's why even if it's just a, a, an, an emoji eyeball tweet people are going to get um um very very um I worked up about that so i mean that's just what it is and you know it's it's all for me i, I don't it's hard to for me to even read like uh, other like um just basketball pieces or stuff about the NBA because there's no, we don't know what's happening until I can get some sort of sound definition of what's going to happen. We're st- we're still in so much uncertainty right now at this point, and, and I just don't. I, that's why I don't put as much investment into it right now, just because again, like we don't know what's going to happen. You know, it's just yeah. it's so open ended, and even next season, like I mentioned, there's no vaccine. Nothing goes back to normal, uh, pretty pretty much for for the next year or two until we can get a vaccine, unless it gets it gets here faster, which I hope it does, obviously. But um. Yeah, it's just, it's just. I think that's just what where everything's at. Everybody's, you know, like you guys said, everybody's just kind of frustrated um, being at home and stuff. But you know, we got we got to take care of everybody and make sure everybody's good. So, uh, did you have anything so else for we go to up, be uh, angry about, man? Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, it's just I don't know. It's just the, it's just the off season. So. All right, guys, so let's go to uh, get ready to close this one out. So um, so before we end this episode, I do want to remind you all to visit ProjectSpurs.com. Um, here's the latest on the site. It's pretty much Benjamin Bornstein. It's keeping us uh, afloat here. Um, he has another prospect watch over um, Trent, uh, Trendon Watford. So, again, Ben's continuing. The draft will come. We don't know when, though. Uh, it's going to eventually come one day uh, this this year. And uh, Ben's have, Ben has you prepared, so make sure you're checking that out. Um, and then, as always, uh, thank you to Mike for, for mixing and producing this episode. Uh, so from, from our whole team at Project Spurs, um, stay safe out there and take care, and we'll see you, uh, we'll see you next time. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then 
place a $5 wager on any sport, you'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.